Hi there. Welcome to the New Life Live podcast. Steve here. Since 1988, New Life has been transforming lives one life at a time. Now our goal is to provide you with wisdom from God's Word to give you hope and help in life's most difficult places. One way that we do this is through the live program that we share with our listeners here on the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to ask our panel of counselors and psychologists, call us at 1-800-229-3000, Monday through Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. Now let's go to today's podcast episode. The following program was pre-recorded. To ask a question on the air, call 1-800-229-3000, Monday through Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific. Welcome to New Life Live with host and founder of New Life Ministries, Stephen Arterburn. For 35 years, New Life has been transforming lives one at a time thanks to the giving hearts of you, our listeners. Our goal is to provide you with wisdom from God's Word to give you hope and help in life's hardest places. If you have a question you'd like to ask today, our phone lines are open. Call 1-800-229-3000. That number again is 1-800-229-3000. Now here's Steve. Hi there. Welcome to New Life Live. Really glad you're with us here today. And when I say us, Dr. Jill Hubbard is here. Hi, Jill. Hello, Steve. And Mark Cameron is in the studio. Hey, and we're Steve. grateful for hey, that. And if you want to join us, it's one 800 229 1-800-229-3000. And I uh, hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. We certainly did. I had all the kids there, and it was so much fun and really fun. I mean, really fun. These are fun kids. They all have a great sense of humor. They love laughing, and uh, it was just a, an amazing time. So I hope you had an amazing time. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't, well, I'm sorry that you didn't and because um, there are a lot of circumstances that aren't too pretty and um, I pray that God will give you some peace over whatever it was now there are people with problems and we've got a couple of workshops here and it's the last one but it could do so much for you every man's battle and emotional freedom emotional freedom is this weekend it's on Saturday and it's online And boy, could you ever do some great work online December the 2nd. That's right. I said this Saturday, December the 2nd. Can you believe December is already here? And emotional freedom is just for anything that you're struggling with. Anxiety, depression will will help you with it. Of course, every man's battle is, I mean, it is the way to get free of a sexual addiction or pre-sexual addiction uh, with lust, affairs, all of those things. A lot of healing there. Now, I want to ask you a question. What's the difference between a person who's got an addiction problem and a person who's got a characterological disorder? What's the big difference there? Well, it looks like well, we've stumped. Okay, okay. No, okay. No, here no, we go. No, that's not <laughs> no, the direction I thought you were going. That's yeah. why. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll tell you why in a second. Okay. Well, a characterological problem is pervasive and enduring, mm-hmm. right, over time, with or without substances. Okay. And an addiction, and Mark, you can add in if you want, um, an addiction is substance-induced. Right, and the problems manifest when you're in that cycle. You don't have to be on the substance, but when you're in that addictive cycle and not free from it. Yeah, and and sometimes it's difficult too because people who have um, a, a psychiatric problem 
oftentimes use addiction sure. to cover it up. Absolutely. Right? And so, but we also know that addictions are covering up something else too. They're covering up some kind of pain that we're numbing. So also, um, when you say that the addiction could produce what looks like a characterological disorder, mm-hmm. then you stop using or doing whatever it is, and you find, hey, you, you didn't have that, but you did as long as you were using. Well, and here's the thing, too, with addiction, when you're using substances to cope, you stunt your emotional growth. So stopping the substances is just really the beginning. Then you have to look at what's there or what's not there. And sometimes that isn't too pretty. Uh, Yeah. Stopping the addiction is really where the recovery work starts, not where it ends. Right. I want to meet the person that when they stop something and look at themselves, it is pretty. You know what I mean? That would be, a, that'd be an interesting thing. All right, 1-800-229-3000. Over and over and over again, you're going to be able to see that mountain clearly and get to a new place of what we call emotional freedom, which is simply I can feel in the world, build a relationship to it, and know what to do with my experiences. The New Life Emotional Freedom Online Workshop is Saturday, December 2nd. Steve Arterburn, Chris Williams, and Dr. Jackie McHarris will present information on trauma, depression, codependency, and more. And small group leaders will help you process the information you learn. Call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's 1-800-639-5433 or register online at newlife.com. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. We are back. Steve Arterburn here, Dr. Jill Hubbard, Mark Cameron, and and you at 1-800-229-3000. I want to talk about uh, drinking and addiction and all that in a bit. But first, let's go and talk with Angela from Denver, Colorado. And uh, Angela, you are on with Dr. Jill Hubbard, Steve Arterburn, Mark Cameron. And how are you today? Um, doing okay. I wish I was better. Um, okay. Tell us what's have, not better. I have you guys on the line, so that hopefully will help me. So um, I'm at the point, I'm in my third marriage. Both my husband and I are on our third marriage to um and I don't know if we're at the point that we need to get a divorce. Why would you think now that you need to get a divorce? Well, it's just been repeated over the years. Um, just miscommunication problems. Um, and, you know, since this is our third marriage, I've really tried to make an attempt to communicate better and not to argue, just to... Um, see where I'm making errors in my communication and try to rectify those. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he does too, and it seems to last for a short time until, I don't know, it, it seems to happen like every year and it's getting more and more. Um, the other day, for example, we were preparing something in the kitchen and I asked him to help me with, you know, like wrapping something up. And he goes, what do you mean, do it this way? And I, and I just kind of pause, like try to figure out how to word it in a way that he would get what I was trying to describe. And he says, you don't have to get so mad. And I just, like, I just paused. I was in shock because okay. I'm like, I, I wasn't even mad. 
All right. So, Angela, uh, it sounds like you both kind of have short fuses here. Tell me, how long have you been married on this third marriage? Two and a half years. Okay. Tell me uh, what you guys have done so far to get some help over these uh, communication issues. Um, really, we've gone to therapy, not therapy, but, you know, premarital counseling was pretty much all we've done. We've not done any professional okay. counseling. All right. So you probably know where I'm going with this, that, well, it would be foolish to divorce if you've never tried to fix the problem. Yeah. Because this is third marriage and third divorce, fourth marriage, uh, it's just not good. And so I would say it would be great if when he comes home or you come home, whatever, that you sat down and said, you know what, third marriage, we do not communicate well over stupid things, you know, we don't Mm -hmm. communicate well. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're talking about what to do with the million dollars we just inherited or something like that. It's it's silly stuff. So how about how about we go get some help because I know for me this was a problem in the previous marriage. We both tried to do better. Let's get some help. But uh, Jill, Mark, what are you guys thinking? Angela, how long did you guys date? Um, three years, four years, three years. Okay, so that's a that's a good amount of time to get to know someone. Did did any of these issues come up during dating? It did, mm. um, and it was always I thought at the time centered around like business. You know, when his business would slow down. Mm. And he would just get stressed out. And so that's where I kind of saw the pattern of this mm-hmm. yeah. situation. And, and so when, when we get, you know, I often use this example, and you may have heard it before, but when you, when you, you, know, when you squeeze the tube of toothpaste, right, what comes out? The answer is toothpaste. And, and why? Because toothpaste is inside. And it's the same thing with us. When, when we get squeezed, whatever comes out of us is really what's inside of us, right? And mm-hmm. marriage is stress. Life is stress. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, obviously that there's a pattern. You, you've been married, and I'm not judging you here because I've been married before t- and, and divorced also here. But you're on your third yeah. marriage here, right? So that there's what we tend to see is that we have patterns, right? Couples and, and individuals, they have patterns. And, and something that's happening with you guys is, is that – Something in, he's doing is triggering you, and I wonder if there's similarities that you can start to try and identify that happened with your previous uh, two husbands before, right? And, and, yeah. and when you can start to get a therapist involved or a counselor, and you can start to look into patterns, you can start to figure out, like, uh, he's doing something that's triggering you, and that likely mm-hmm. is, you know, came from before you got married, that trigger, and so under you know when you guys can understand your core pattern together then you can each work on your side of that and that's how you'll get uh towards um uh, a happier relationship. Joe, you have thoughts? Yes. Oh, go ahead. I I I you know bring all these things mm-hmm. forth and I try to slow down and rationalize and try to look at it from that point of view and he says 
when I'm done, you know, I see it's going in the same direction as my previous. I don't even want to try. And so that's why I said I'm not going to pursue anymore because I'm the one trying and I'm not getting, it's not reciprocated. So it's like, okay, do I just give up then? Because I keep trying, you know, to make it work and to communicate better and I'm not getting it back. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, and so you are in a pattern of pursue a distancer, which is very, very common, yeah. right? You pursue, and then he wants to give up, and so your reactivity is to moving closer, but the way that you're doing it is not drawing it, him in closer, and, and his mm-hmm. way of dealing with that is to run away. And so when you can figure out that pattern, then you can start to interrupt it. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me ask you this. What was the reason for your second divorce? Um. I was really young when we got together. He was addicted, very severely drug addicted. Um, so it was a long time in coming. It was a bad relationship. I, because of listening to you guys, I learned you know that my ticker was really bad. This is why when I got into this marriage, I I was slow and deliberate, you know, with this relationship. So that's why it's so more concerning this time because I thought I really put in the right effort. Mm-hmm. And apparently not. And, and the first marriage, too, and Angela? Um, uh, it, uh, we were young. We just okay. were young and immature when we got together. So. Okay. Okay. Well, the good thing is, is that you do have a lot of data to review mm-hmm. about, about yourself. Yeah. And all of us, when we are actually by ourselves without a partner, can start to feel or have the illusion that, hey, I'm all right. I'm doing pretty well handling life, other than maybe being lonely and it would be nice to have a partner. But Uh you can feel pretty stable when you're with someone. When we have a partner... That person then hits up against us, and we hit up against them. And as Mark was mentioning, our issues start to get stirred up. And we actually regress to our more primitive selves. Mm -hmm. In that, that's why God says iron sharpens iron, Mm -hmm. right? It's This is the vehicle that can be used to draw us closer to God and to build us up and to help us grow. But growth doesn't feel good. It's painful. And as a female, we tend to look at all of our problems through our significant relationship. So then when we start having problems and we feel defeated, like, of course, you would start to feel defeated. It's the relationship that's the problem. And so we want to move out of the relationship and find Mm -hmm. a right relationship. But I think, Angela, this is the very vehicle where you, you know, would be good for you to stay in, to learn more about yourself and to grow yourself. And of course, it's going to be hard, but getting out doesn't really change these issues for you. Yeah, and so I think what you're saying here, Jill, too, with iron sharpens iron, right? There's friction. It's yes. hard to it's hard to grow when you're actually not being triggered. Right. 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 It, it's easy to say good. that, hey, I'm, everything's good in my life. I'm totally fine, right? But you don't realize those yes. areas of growth. And so when you're married, it's almost like someone's holding up a mirror, right? Exactly. And, and you know, shedding light. And, and I love this quote. Uh, I don't know who said it, but it says fire has two elements, that of burning and that of shedding light. And so 
I think for you, Angela, it's looking at what's burning here and how can you shed light on that to figure out, okay, how do I work on what's happening inside me um, mm-hmm. to fix that? Well, Angela, I have to tell you, you wouldn't believe this, but I am I'm fabulous by myself. I mean, I, <laughs> I have no conflict <laughs> and I talk to myself a lot and uh, we get along. Uh, so the thing that I, I have to establish, first of all, is that if you're trying to live according to the way God says is best, then you wouldn't leave because there are only two reasons that Jesus said it would be okay. One is adultery of the other person, unfaithfulness, and then the other would be you're married to a non-believer and they desert you. Then you'd be free, I believe, to divorce and to remarry. So it just stands to reason that after you've had two failed marriages and this one's failing, that you must you must look at it this from a different perspective. Not do I leave or not leave. What do I do? How can I inspire or motivate my partner to get help with me? Now, if you say... I have an appointment for Thursday night at 6 p.m. after your work is over for us to go get some help. What What's his reaction going to be, do you think? Uh, it depends on his mood at the moment. I, I don't know. Sometimes he surprises me. Okay. He may or he may not. I don't know. So, you know, first I would talk to him about, would you agree we need to get some help and let me find a good counselor for us to work on our communication. So it's not about him and his problem. It's about both of you, our communication. If he says, I'm not going, then you, I think it would be good for you to go ahead and make the appointment. And then you go two or three times, then invite him to come join you so the counselor can hear both sides of the issue. It seems like that would be a good way to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. I would love for you to go to one of our counselors, and we <laughs> have um, great counselors in the Denver area. So, and maybe even it would be so easy that you could even do something virtual right there, and he doesn't even have to leave the comfort of your own home. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Now, you know, this uh, saying that we've quoted many times from Bill W. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. And it's one thing, a lot of people work on tolerating the person that they're with. And that's not the same as accepting. And when we start to accept a person, this is what I, who I'm married to, what their problems are, then I think from an acceptance standpoint, I'm better able to work with them and work for them and for us versus just working on how do I tolerate this? This is so horrible. And when when one person has a big target, it's easy to forget that even though we have a little target, we got to work on our little target also. And so it would be great for you to just be able to commit to, I'm going to work on me. I'm going to hope that we can work on us. I think if you just worked on you with the counselor, he would respond to that. I really do. Because the counselor is going to help you figure out 
what's really an issue to bring up and what are some things to let go, all under this concept of accepting each other. Call New Life today and ask about the New Life Coaching Network. Our coaches have been trained and screened with the same intensive process we use for our network counselors. If you're looking at an issue in your life that you just kind of want to change, whether it be your weight or leadership or other areas of behavioral patterns, check out coaching. There can be some really, really helpful things for you. Take control of your life and take action to achieve your goals. Call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's 1-800-639-5433 and talk to us about getting a new life coach. 1-800-NEW-LIFE. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. We're back. Steve Arterburn here, and I've got Dr. Jill Hubbard with me and Mark Cameron. And I've uh, got a call coming up. But I just want to mention this, that there is a bit, I think, of a misunderstanding. I started working with alcoholics back in 1976, and... You know, the thing that I saw that all of the the alcoholics had in common was that they could drink a lot of alcohol. And it wasn't that they couldn't drink. It was that they could. And these guys would come in. I was in Texas. And, you know, they were drinking four six-packs of beer a day. Now, that's a lot of alcohol in your system. And when you drink that much alcohol... Uh, if you have a high tolerance, you probably don't even feel intoxicated most of the time. But the alcohol is an addictive substance. And you're not going to get addicted on a half of a glass of wine, but you could get drunk on a half glass of wine. So I would always say, listen, an alcoholic is not running from their problems any more than a person who goes to happy hour and drinks a glass of wine, has a mood change, and now they're in a different world and they don't have to deal with the problems back home. One's not weaker than the other. They're both escaping or trying to escape. Or some of the alcoholics I've met, they weren't trying to escape anything. They were just drinking. That's how they started. Say, Why'd you start drinking? Well, I was in high school. Everybody drank. But when I drank, I could drink a six-pack or eight beers, and I could drive everybody home. Because for me, it didn't affect me. Whereas little Bobby, well, he'd drink a beer. He was drunk. He couldn't drink anymore. Alcoholism is addiction to alcohol. And when you get addicted to alcohol, that's when all that weird stuff happens. Well, what about the problem drinker going to happy hour and getting drunk on a glass of wine? That person isn't addicted to alcohol. Their body isn't addicted. So if that person would stop doing that and instead go see a therapist, a counselor, work out whatever problem it is they're trying to avoid or the reason they need to alter their mood, that's a person that can get better and and uh, drink and not get drunk or have that need. Drink every now and then, not every day. But there's a big difference between a problem drinker and an alcoholic. And um, one of the benefits of knowing that difference is if I'm an alcoholic and I have this physiological addiction, my body is never, ever 
going to not be addicted to alcohol. And so I can't get spiritual enough or smart enough or whatever to drink again. It's my body that gets addicted. And when we could help people see how much they were drinking and how easily that led them into an addiction and that that body that's addicted will always be that way, it helped them in preventing relapse in the future. That's well, my and, and yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so I love that. But Steve, what do you think about the person, like you said, who cannot drink a lot, mm-hmm. has kind of physiological adverse side effects, or the chronic vomiter yeah. from alcohol? Isn't that well, a form of alcohol poisoning that the body is rejecting the alcohol? A a toxic reaction to alcohol mm-hmm. is different, and there are certain folks who have a genetic predisposition uh, to not be able to tolerate alcohol at all. And when a person falls asleep with a little bit of alcohol or gets sick with a little bit of alcohol, um, that person needs to get help so they're not doing something that puts them to sleep or, or causes them to throw up. Why would you do that? Well, you've got something pretty serious going on. So that would be an indication, go get some help for that, please. Um, But it's not alcoholism. And you do see that in certain populations with an adverse reaction to alcohol. Totally different situation. So really you could say there are three things. Those that have this toxic adverse reaction, those that uh, become addicted because they can drink so much, and then those that are... Uh, truly problem drinkers. If you don't know the three differences, then you see somebody that goes and has a glass of wine and gets intoxicated, you think, oh, well, they, uh, they, they're an alcoholic. Well, rather than send them to an alcohol and drug treatment center, I'd want them to go see a counselor and see if they could work whatever it is out. That'd be the deal. Yeah, I like how you're differentiating the two, problem drinker versus alcoholic. What you're saying is that just because you don't get drunk uh, or your body's not dependent upon it doesn't mean that you don't have a drinking problem and that you should seek some help. Or And, yeah. and maybe the help is counseling um, to figure out what you're numbing or distracting from. When I was in California, the uh, Capistrano school principal asked me to come down and talk to this young woman who had consumed a half-fifth of vodka that morning. She could communicate better than me. And she was this little thing that had consumed. So she had this tolerance from the very beginning. Some people, you know, you have to develop the tolerance. But if you have it, whether you develop it or it's right from the beginning, it's going to get you in trouble. Today's podcast is brought to you by Club New Life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very, very difficult places. To find out more about Club New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.com, or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now, if you're new to us, we drop an episode every weekday. We would love it if you would rate or write a review, which helps more people discover help and hope and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible. Now let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places. All over the country, they take place online, in conference calls, and in person. And if there isn't one in your area, we can help you start one. 
We have startup materials, leaders' guides, CDs, Bibles, and more, all with discounts available for groups. Call us at 1-800-NEW-LIFE and ask for Terry Ward. The 12 Steps have long been a great help to people in recovery because much of the 12 Steps' power comes from the fact that they capture principles clearly revealed in the Bible. The 12 Steps is really a pattern for all of us as Christians. Call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's 1-800-639-5433. glad you joined us for New Life Live. To be a part of the program, call 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. We're back and we're going to go uh, to Mary here, but first, Jill, yeah, I wanted we- to mention, I, I loved our topic on alcoholism, but I was <laughs> wanting to, to mention for Angela um, a couple of things. One, I'm really glad we're sending her how we love because it's really easy to draw conclusions about our partner's intent when yeah. really it's a different core pattern. It's a different way of coping and may not, you know, our assessment may not be accurate of them. And if we're acting on our assessment, we're going to feel really defeated. So one of the ways to best get at that and really have, I think, a paradigm shift is our intimacy and marriage workshop. So I would really love for Angela to be able to do that before she ever considers divorce. If you haven't done our workshop, you shouldn't be talking about divorce. Go to yeah. the workshop, and then if you want a divorce, okay. But well, nothing probably won't. Nothing um, does more in a short amount of time for marriage exactly. than that. And if there was something, we'd do that It's a good litmus instead. test for marriage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to Mary in Sacramento. Mary, how are you today? And uh, so glad that you've joined us here. Um, what's on I'm your mind? Fine. Good. Um, good. I, I guess I'd like some advice as to handle a situation, um, whether to confront it and and um, or whether to try to continue to ignore it. And last week, I I tried to call in, and I was really hot. <laughs> I okay, had well, an experience of it. Well, uh, in your non-hot condition, <laughs> tell us about it. Okay, um, I I have a friend who had a person who's become a friend. She taught a four-year class on life skills, and I really, really needed that help. Well, I took the class for four years and and got um, just in a way better place in my life. So as a result of that, I feel um, a, a real gra- an unending gratitude to this woman um, just because of how her class helped me. We went on to become friends, and then in the becoming friends, um, I have come to know that, um, well, I had a tough childhood, so she stepped in almost as a surrogate mother for me in my 50s. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, again, this huge respect for her and love for her. But in the meantime, go on, and the relationship goes on, and she is very definitely a control freak. And, you know, the tablecloth has to be just so, and and her forks are all lined up, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she also holds everybody else to her standard. 
Now, her standard is impossible, number one. Number two, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not a perfectionist. I slide by the seat of my pants. <laughs> and it becomes really difficult when there's a consistency of relationship where I'm always told how to, what to think, how to think, how to sit, how to help, how to, how to everything. Well, also she spent three days with her son. They can hardly stay in the same house together <clears throat> because okay. she has raised him to be a duplicate. Okay, so, so get to the thing that we need to deal with here. So, what do a week ago I got to the point where I just didn't think I could stand it anymore, and I was just going to tell her I couldn't drive at night, and that was going to be my distancing. And then I thought maybe this is supposed to be more than that. So, how what should I do? Should I continue to just manage, um, which is possible with the idea that I just will withdraw when she gets too toxic? Good question. Um, I'm wondering if there's kind of a middle, gentle, conversational, not confrontational, conversational middle ground where when she's in that mood or she's talking the way she is, that you might be able to help her see something or tell her how you, how it kind of makes you feel and, and give her some kind of assistance in taking a second look at it. I don't know. I mean, it might not right at go the well. Moment. Yeah, I'm just wondering if, you know, let's say she said, I don't like the way your hands are on the steering wheel, something like that, you know, some perfectionist thing. And you could say, you know, I I think there are a lot of things that they're not the way you would do things, you know, and be smiling and... And I see that, and boy, I, I'm certainly doing a lot of things that they aren't, they aren't the way you're doing things. And I'm just wondering if you've ever thought about accepting that, that different might not be bad. What do you oh, think about wow. that? Something like that. You, you don't feel like you could wow. say that to her, huh? Um, and see, I don't know how to say, but you just said... Um Accept the difference? I wonder if you've ever thought about accepting what other people do, thinking that, trying to put this in your mind, that being different or doing things differently than you do things isn't necessarily a worse way of doing things or a bad way of doing things. Okay. Now, Jill and, like, and Mark, what do you... Ever considered. Have you, ever, Have you considered? ever considered that different might not be wrong or bad? Which is different than saying, you know, I've noticed you think if somebody doesn't do it your way, they're inferior, they're defective, and it's your job to get them to do it your way. See, it's not that. It's just kind of casually asking. That's the way she takes it on. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it might be good for your growth to try to enter in a conversation like that in a gentle way so that if she totally blows up or something, you know, hey, I, I didn't say anything that was uh, mean, ugly, or uncaring. Mark, what do you Mar think? No, go ahead, Jill. Mary, 
instead of thinking about it as confronting her or wanting to change her behavior, you might want to consider looking at your experience and your feelings. Nobody can argue with your feelings. And so to hold on to yourself, to be more of an adult in this relationship, she's been a mentor to you. So I hear all of your gratitude, and that's hard because you already then have a one-up, one-down relationship. True. And so to be more adult with her is changing the dynamic. And at first, she won't like it. And she will push back. And that's where yes. holding on to yourself, because it's okay, Mary, for you to be an adult and for you to want to grow in this relationship and to see if she can grow with you. So to even say, I, you know, I realize that when you tell me how to do something, sometimes it makes me feel small. And I actually have my own ideas that I'd like to try. Yeah, I, that's exactly where I was going to go, Gio, is that, that the roles are blurred in your relationship, mm-hmm. right? You met her, like you, like you said, Gio, it was this one-up, one-down teacher, student, and mm-hmm. then it became surrogate mother. And, and, and you have a part to play in, in that yes. dynamic of that shifting that way, right? And then this lady, mm-hmm. she has obsessive-compulsive tendencies, and so the way for her to reduce her anxiety is to get you to do it the way that she wants it done. Right. And then that feels controlling. But, you know, as as all children do, they grow up and eventually we become peers with our parents. Right. And so for you, they push back. Yeah. But (laughs) and so for you, it's really, you know, um, um, learning how to shift the the dynamic of the roles to back to peer now rather than uh, parent child, because the parent child dynamic is is no longer beneficial to you. And, and and so I think the right. next step of your growth is is shifting that back, and and it, and it could be even just kind of having that frank conversation to start that off to to just talk about hey this is how the dynamic is and this is how and I respect and I love you for taking care of me in that way but this is how I want the dynamic to be and then as you were saying Joe when you try and impose your tendencies on me it makes me feel this way and this is what I'm comfortable with or this is what my boundaries are but. But, yeah, the attachment's going back both ways now, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's not kind of that secure mother figure. She's being triggered the other way now. Mm-hmm. Now, right. I usually, and, and you know, pretty, let me just say this. I'm usually pretty optimistic about things, but I don't think she's going to want to have a relationship like that with you. The way you described her, life. yeah, the way you described her, um, I mean, there are people that if you disagree with them, They'll just say, stop talking. (laughs) 100 Day Devotionals, including 100 Days of Healing, 100 Days from Freedom from Shame, and 100 Days of Freedom from Anger. There are also ongoing benefits, like the monthly Club New Life CD or download, access to the Club New Life video library, quarterly resources, free shipping on purchased resources, discounts on workshops, and quarterly online meetings with Steve. Call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Support Club New Life, and together we can help hurting people find help and hope in life's hardest places. Call 1-800-639-5433 to join Club New Life today. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. We're back, Steve Arterman here, and uh, I'll 
send the um, Take Your Life Back book to Mary, and we're going to go to Sarah, Dayton, Ohio. Instagram is where she discovered us. Sarah, I don't have a lot of time, but I uh, wanted to get to your call, and how could we help? Let me punch Sarah's little button there. Oh, she went away. Oh, dear. Oh, that's not good. Maybe she'll call back. Okay. How about uh, we go to Mary, a different Mary here. Mary, welcome to New Life. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. How are y'all? Good. Uh, what's your question for us today? Well, I was actually calling in to see about if I could, I have by myself been trying to find Christian or my boyfriend and I to go to, um, mostly for him, but for us collectively as well. Um, well, what, what is the problem he's dealing he's with? Been, he's been addicted to heroin for about off and on, well, mostly on for about seven, seven years. And we, I have moved him out. I was telling the lady earlier, I've never been married before. We've been together 13 years and a reason to get married until the past few years probably and so I'm ready to do something like go to the next stage and you know um, in my life and I can't do that with and I won't with him being addicted to heroin um, and so I was going to see if counseling would help him to be able to be a working functioning I mean he works you okay. would know that he did do that yeah but okay yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let uh, Jill and Mark uh, lovingly tell you okay. things, and then I might be less loving. Okay, so <laughs> I'll let them go That's first. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Mary, are you are you guys living together? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's almost like you guys are married, just without that marriage commitment. Um, and, but yeah, I'm exactly. I'm I'm concerned for you though because you're wanting to take the next step with this person who is addicted to heroin and has been for the last seven right. years. So my concern really is more for you because we have you on the phone with us today than it is for your boyfriend of why you'd want to continue to deepen and attach with somebody who's in a, a deep addiction. Um, and so right. because it's a little well, bit conflicting. I've never... Right. What, well, what I you're... never. I don't really understand addiction to that part. Mm. Like, if it's something that he can, like, you know, because I have friends that are now like drug free and have been mm. for years. So I just like I didn't know. If it's just like, and especially with heroin, you know, like if you can actually get clean no. from that. But but I think but that. but Mary, like, here's the thing: you're focusing so much on your boyfriend's issue, and I'm trying to kind of turn the 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 mirror around for you because you it's a little bit conflicting what you're saying because you're talking about should I hold a healthy boundary I'm going to have him move out when when really your healthy boundary should be I'm not going to be in a relationship with somebody who's addicted to heroin rather than right. how do I get how do I prompt him to want to you know marry me Right. Well, I mean, like, we both want to, and it's not always been a part of our relationship. It, 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 we had split up one time back in 2016, and when we got back together, I found out that he was doing that. And so it's been, okay. like, an ongoing problem. Yeah. So it's right. not like I was like, oh, you do that? I know about it. It's fine. It's not fine. But you know Let's about see if it Jill has a... Does Jill well, and I would a- imagine prior to seven years ago, he was doing other substances mm-hmm. as well, because you usually don't just start with heroin. Right. So this is an addictive person. 
and this has become yes. so normal for you. You don't know him apart from addiction. And so Not I think... I mean, yeah, I didn't know about these things. So when we sure. got together, I probably, we were together about a year before I knew. Sure. Right. But so he has always been in addict mode. And you have been okay with that. The fact that he's that you're oh, yeah. right, he's not a fully functioning adult, right? And you've been probably an over functioning adult and, and picking up the slack for And, and it also just the fact that it took you a year to discover it shows you the depth of deception, yes, of how much he can cover things up without mm-hmm. you yeah. knowing or your, your awareness of the whole situation. So that, that's where I think for you, Mary, my suggestion would be you get into counseling. So, so here's my three-part plan for you, Mary. Mary, here's my three-part plan for you. Number one, you guys should stop living together. Number that's number one. Number two, you should break up with him because after about two years, if you're not married, it's usually a horrible thing. There are reasons not being married that lead to divorce after. You're married. And, of course, living together, if you do get married, sets you up for divorce also for other dynamics. So my suggestion is you need to do the right thing and stop living together. Secondly, you ought to do the right thing for you, break up with him, and begin looking for a really healthy person. Now, the fact that he's had this heroin addiction thing and you don't know anything about it, is a problem because you ought to know more about heroin addiction than anybody that's listening because you've lived with it. The third piece of advice or fourth is that you need to start going to Al-Anon where other people who have tolerated addiction have found hope and healing and in that fellowship of other folks, I think you'd really... uh, benefit greatly but those are the things serious things dramatically uh important things that i think if you'll do those uh you're going to get your life back which we want that to happen and and if you don't do it then you're going to be trapped in a relationship i think it's never going to be what you'd deserve so, but you've got healing just like they're saying you've got healing to do. so Chill. can i change the order just a little bit okay Steve? Good. Yeah. okay so first attend al-anon get a therapist mary there you then go. tell yeah. him that he needs to get treatment asap if that doesn't happen he will no longer live there and you will be breaking up with him okay. and then the only reason because you I can th- use that as yeah. leverage and i think it might be hard for you to do those steps before you get in yeah. to help yourself. And the reason I said move out is because there is no upside to living well, together. Well, right. That eventually does have to happen. And but I a, think let's use it now yeah. as leverage to get him help <laughs> okay. because there could be hope for him. All right. So maybe you've heard something here that it's kind of like the situation you're in. You're living with somebody. Not going to go well. We encourage you to not do that Um, because you slide into marriage versus decide to get married. So much of your life is together. And then the other thing is you tolerate stuff when you live together 
rather than if you were just dating and not living together. You end up like this year after year after year. We don't want that for you. We want good things for you. Now, I just want to mention one other thing that over Thanksgiving, some of you might have discovered your family isn't healthy or that they think you're not healthy. I don't know. But maybe you discovered some things that really could be helped help if you got some counsel. Thanks so much for listening. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, we have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to newlife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.